MCH Photography Podcast. Uh, hello and welcome to another episode of my photography podcast. This is already uh, episode number 12 and it's six in English. I said two interviews a week, one in Czech, so I'm from Czech Republic, and one in English. So as I already mentioned, this is six, so there are five uh, English episodes. For So for those who listen for the first time, I highly recommend you to go back and uh, and to listen to, to all the other episodes as well. It's definitely worth it. Uh, so I'm my name is Marian Hitka and I'm myself a sports photographer mainly shooting motorsport events but as I can't currently travel so this is the thing that I'm doing right now just doing some interviews with my colleagues so the topic is obviously sports photography and my guests are sports photographers as well and it's just about to to give you guys some insight and some some backstage stories so all the interviews are being recorded through Instagram Live on my profile MCH Photo CZ. So if you ever want to watch it live and maybe ask some questions as well, so just just go and follow my Instagram and you will you will see uh, when it's happening. It's usually on Thursdays, the English ones at seven p.m. Central European time. So I'm based in the Czech Republic, as I said, uh, but it doesn't need to be always so like this interview that you're listening to now was uh, happening on Friday and it was quite late. It was 9.30 p.m. But it was just by that my guest is currently in New Zealand. So so the time zone and, and the time difference was like 10 hours. So it could not be at 7 because he only had like 5 a.m. in the morning. I, I didn't want to push him to... To, to be up uh, that early. Anyway, uh, my guest today, and it's uh, I'm really honored that uh, that he's going to be talking to me. It's uh, F1 photographer Darren Heath, who I guess he does not need any long introduction. Darren is a multi award winning photographer shooting shooting F1. He, this this year, 2020, should be his 32nd year shooting formula one if you if you look at his instagram profile i guess just the caption that he has there it just sums it up all uh so i'm just gonna quote it it's very second year shooting f1 in a creative artistic original and unique style that's has changed the photography perception of the sport and i guess that's exactly what it's all going to be about or what, what we're going to talk about because if you look at Darren's photos, it's just not a normal, like I would say, like reportage of what's happening in F1. But he's just always trying to to give another view of uh, like of the racing. And obviously, it's a big challenge to to shoot it for like more than thirty years. If you come in over and over to to the same circuits, same corners. So that's what we're going to talk about as well. And like. All this experience, all the stories. There's a lot of behind-the-scenes stories that you're gonna hear. So yeah, uh, I guess uh, um, this is just enough for the introduction, and uh, hope you're gonna enjoy it. Marian, hello. How are you? Good, good. Do you hear me well? Okay. Yes, I hear you very well. Do you hear me okay? Yeah, sure. It's good. Perfect. Good. Good. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot for getting up early. Uh... <laughs> I've got young children. I'm always up early. Oh, okay, cool. So how's New, how's New Zealand now? Oh, it's good. It's good. Just, uh, you know, we're not in lockdown, um, which is obviously a positive. Um, but, you know, 
sun shining and it's almost winter, but uh, it's not really a winter in this country to be to, to talk of. Yeah. Um, in the in the North Island, um, but uh, I'm I'm enjoying being at home with my family, like a lot of people are around the world. But I'd kind of rather be in Monaco right now. So you know, <laughs> same here. I was supposed to be there as well this year. Yeah, yeah what to do? Next year, next year I'm sure we'll be back. Yeah, so if you can uh, introduce yourself first, which is like really few words what, about what, what you do, maybe for how long or whatever, then we just take it from there and, and some details and all the questions I have and probably some questions that people are going to ask as well. Okay, well, I'm, uh, I'm Darren Heath, a photographer who specializes in Formula One. I have been shooting Formula One professionally for this, 2020 would have been my 32nd year shooting it. Um, sadly, we're not going to race at the moment, but, uh, but hopefully later in the year. I work for a number of clients, work for many clients over the years, commercial clients, editorial, uh, mm -hmm. social media now obviously plays a big part in, in commissions that I work on. And, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of me. I live in Auckland, New Zealand, and when the European season is on, I spend a lot of time based kind of just outside London, but, uh, but traveling to all the European mm -hmm. races. Okay, cool. So how, how's, by the way, the situation? Is it, is it still about to start in, what, in July in Austria? Or is it still the plan? So I yeah, I think, I think that's the plan. I, I, I haven't had a look at the, at the news uh, this morning, but I think that the UK's... Um, the plan was to have two races at Silverstone in, uh, in July through August, but um, I think that's been now has to be knocked on the head because of the quarantine rules that have been brought in by the UK government. Mm -hmm. So, um, so that's it's disappointing, but I think that um, Formula One are really not doing themselves many favours in in presenting lots of calendars and then being completely at the mercy of various yeah. governments and, uh, and state decisions around the world. It's, uh, I, I, I think, you know, obviously there's commercial considerations, there's TV contracts, there's uh, eight races has to be run to be a, a valid world championship. Mm -hmm. But I think that, uh, I think the sport should um, maybe let, maybe let other sports kick off, see how it's, see how it's going. Obviously the Bundesliga is running now. That's obviously yeah. completely different that you have football is in a closed environment and, and, uh, and a lot less people. But for governments to allow, when, when their own citizens are being effectively locked down, to allow 1,000, 1,500, 2,000 people to be exempt from that and come into a Grand Prix. is uh, Not to mention all the, all the local people, all the caterers, all the, uh, oh. all the uh, event staff, you know, security and marshals in particular. Um, I just think it's, there's so many variables. It's incredibly difficult. I'm not envious of their position, but I think it's, uh, it doesn't look good for the sport to be putting, putting saying we're going to have races here and then we're not having races. So, No. Yeah, sure. Okay, so just let's, let's move somewhere else now. So I've, sure. I'm always, I, I always start with a question, which is like, I, I guess it's quite common and, and you've answered it like a thousand times, but... It still, I guess, it still could be interesting for someone who's about to get into photography or whatever, just to know the story behind a bit. So it's about how you got into photography, particularly F1. So why F1? I know there's, but like, it's always been interested in, in your family, but F1, so, and yeah. even like since your childhood. And then why, why photography? If there was any background on photography in your family as well, or 
why did you choose choose photography? Yeah, sure, sure. Well, I was I was I was attending races at uh, at a circuit just outside, just southeast of London. When I was before I can remember, before I was uh, almost before I was born, if you like, my my mother was going with my father to races, and my grandfather was going before that. So it was something that within my family was really uh, appreciated, and they were very uh, passionate about it. And I was going to to races, you know, Grand Prix, Formula Three events, for Formula Four, you know, all the junior stuff. Yeah. And then at about the age of about the age of 12, 10, 11, 12, I was given a little compact little plastic camera that's sitting behind me here. And um, I started to take a few pictures, kind of started to enjoy it. Um, and, um, and then it was a case of, of all my pocket money and, and, you know, scrounging money here and there to buy bigger and better camera gear. And I bought some uh, SLR gear. And then yeah. my father was uh, fantastically supportive, taking me to, to races at Brands Hatch, predominantly dropping me off in the morning and uh, picking me up in the evening. I'd spend the whole time photographing, photographing the racing cars and photographing the photographers to see, to study later on okay. how they worked, with, what, what they wore, how they held their cameras, what camera gear they used, all these kind of things. I just poured over every, uh, every aspect. And I guess at about the age of 14, I thought, okay, I've got to start thinking about what I want to do for a job, for a career. And really there was nothing else. There was nothing else that I ever wanted to do other than be a photographer of Formula One, because obviously That's Formula cool. One's the top level. Yeah. And uh, I, I, everything then was about aiming uh, in, my, in my spare time, in any jobs that I had, um, which were normally in camera shops and things like that, you know, so they were always focused on that kind of area. Mm -hmm. And uh, then getting a job, at, a, uh, at one of the agencies that shot Formula One. And then once I did that, proving to them that I can start, that I can climb the ladder. So starting off at the junior formula and moving through eventually to get to Formula One. And that's where I am now. Cool. Sounds easy. Uh, well, yeah, I'm a 40-year <laughs> overnight success. <laughs> uh, so did he, did he actually study photography at any point in time somehow or yeah, I, yeah. I mean even like I guess like nowadays it's not probably that important that it could be back in the days because like even now if you don't like if you don't go to school university or whatever to, to study photography do whatever you want it's like right now like you can google anything you want or just go to YouTube and like if you're in doubt then anything like how it works or something you could, I guess you can just yeah. google if you type it in like in a right way, you can find whatever you want, either for free or just pay a bit, and 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 you you get from the best like photographers from from the world, yeah, all around the world. Yeah, so so I just wonder how how, how it was for you back in the days. Uh, so well, so it's, have it's, uh, about yeah, it's an interesting uh, com comparison, man. That that I. I feel it's, I've never, I've never been a fan of that, uh, that phrase, I want to put something back. Uh, but, but I kind of am there now, if you like, in that I am in a position where uh, a lot of people look at what, what I do and, and, uh, and my colleagues who shoot Formula One and think, uh, and people like yourself who, who shoot a wider variety of motorsport, that, um, that they kind of would like to do it. And of course, back in the day, in the, in the, in the 80s, I couldn't pick up a computer and message my photographic heroes 
and, uh, and say, okay, how do you do this? What do you do there? What shutter speed did you use? You know, all these kind of things. It was a, it was a much more, I don't know, organic process of learning everything, you know, bring, bringing everything together. As I say, watching photographers at the, at the racetracks. There's some photographers now that I work alongside at the, at the races, some of the few that are left from that era, that I, mm -hmm. I probably got pictures in boxes of them working and they didn't know I was photographing them, you know, not in a creepy way, but uh, just, <laughs> just to learn. But, um, yeah, I went to a, a college in East London to study photography for a couple of years. And, mm -hmm. you know, that, that was, a, that was a, uh, an interesting exercise in that, you know, like all courses, one learns about many aspects. So I learned about the history of paper making in China thousands of years ago, things like that, because obviously we print pictures on paper. Now, all those things obviously become constituent parts to increasing your knowledge of, of what you're doing. So I, yeah. I, think, I think now where it's changed is that, and I get these messages all the time from you know, direct messages, and I'm, I'm sure you do too, that, yeah. um, and, 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 and everyone who does this job, that people, they're not prepared to do not, uh, that's not a blanket thing, but it's generally the case. People don't have the patience. They're not prepared to go and do car rallies near their houses or, or you know, classic car meets or uh, local events, you know, small. They just want to go straight in from an iPhone to buying a DSLR and expect to be on the other side of the fence at Formula One. And I can understand their desire. Everyone wants to be in the big show, but you will be a far better photographer and you will have a far longer longevity of career if you work your way up. A, formula, a driver doesn't come out of a go-kart or doesn't come out of a just learn to walk and go straight into a Formula One car. He progresses through and it, it should be just the same with photography and it will make you a, a better photographer in the long run. But I, I, I get now that we, you know, we live in a world where patience is uh, a rare commodity. Yeah, that's probably the most common questions I'm, I'm getting through the message is that how did you, how do you get to shoot Dakar? Uh, because I've done Dakar nine times now. And I've done it like, once. Yeah? Okay. When? Yeah, um, I need to ask me that. Um, it was 2000 and... Oh, blimey. It must have been about 2008, 2000... And... No, it's probably earlier than that, but about 2003. Something like that. Okay. Uh, it was still. It was, in, it was. It was still. It was the one that was cancelled. So yeah. So in Africa. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we couldn't go. Uh, we we were still in Africa. It was. It wasn't because I think it now it's an out of Saudi Arabia, wasn't it? It was in South America. Yeah, it was, or, yeah, it was for eleven that. years in South America. Yeah, and now now. I think it's it was one of the last ones. Yeah. yeah, it was one of the last ones of that. Cool, but uh, I don't know. It that. looks like a fantastic event <laughs> to, to to still do. Yeah, no, it's it's quite challenging, but I mean, for the photos, it's uh, it's definitely one of the best events that you can go to. I mean, it's yeah, it's not an easy one. It's like two or three weeks in a row, not sleeping at all and traveling all the time and like not being comfortable and not sleeping in hotels or anything, but. Uh, the thing, the thing that makes me was the was that you would shoot the cars out in the, out in the desert, that kind of thing, then arrive into the, I think they called it the bivouac, was it the the, the whole area where everyone gets together, yeah. and 
you try and scratch some 10 minutes of sleep and all night you're aware that there's competitors arriving especially the motorbikes they're working on their machines half the night and then literally yeah. you're, you're leaving as the sun comes up and they're racing across the desert which is was such um I've, I've never seen uh, i've seen lots of still pictures that get that that get a, a lot of that across but i think there's a real movie that could be made there of 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 that really fantastic scenery and, and taking off into oh, into sunrises and it's got really, uh, you hear me all right yeah it's cutting 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 off a bit but it's good no should be okay now yeah um so yeah it was uh, a, a fantastic event really uh, looks great yeah. i'd love to do more of them. yeah cool so do you have I mean, you, you don't have the comparison if you, if you did not do it or whatever, but do you think that you have any, any kind of advantage that you shot like many years on, on film compared to someone who has only been shooting on like with digital? Do you think there's still some kind of influence, like analog influence in your photography? Is there anything, I don't know, that you learned not to shoot probably that many photos or anything, or anything else? I think there is definitely a, um, definitely an advantage to uh, to shooting to having shot film i think it, it if anything it, it in a number in a number of a number of areas in that it t it taught me and i think most photographers who shot it that there's a value to every picture every time you shoot a frame you're you're it's not only the cost value it's that you're closer to the end of the role when you have to think you know if if, if you're a shooting something which, where you might run out of film and you don't want to run out. So you would think about every picture uh, more. I think photography had generally a more value to it, if you like, that, uh, that you, you, would, you can hold up. A, tra a transparency is a real thing. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's something that you can hold. Pictures now are all ones and zeros in computers. And uh, I, I think that, that really taught is a, is a valuable thing to have to have had to do and the just the, the how precise one had to be mm. really with with exposure i think i still think it's important to be precise now but that's a carryover probably from uh, from film i still i still use manual focus predominantly and i certainly use manual exposure all the time um, I'd, I'd like camera manufacturers mm. to take mm -hmm. out most of that automated stuff so yeah, I think it's definitely an advantage. Cool. And how how was the how was by the way the transition for you from analog to digital? Were you were you like among the first ones or or last one to were you still shooting on film? I, th or? I think I was the last. I think I was. Okay. Um, it, it's not a badge of honor if you like. I think that I I think that I changed to digital photography a little bit, maybe a year or two late. Um, okay. But it was, I was just very suspicious of it. I was very kind of, you know, it seemed to be cheapening what we were doing. There were photographers turning up in, 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 in the arena I worked in, in Formula One. I'm sure it was the same in, in, in lots of areas of sports photography that, um, that seemed to be not taking it quite so seriously that you would sit next to them at the corner and they're just motor driving everything. There's no, you know, there seemed to be no, um, no sense of value to it. And um, I, I didn't like that, that feel. But of course, I got to the stage 
anyone who's shooting film where you're shooting film you're getting the process and then you've got to digitize it to send it anywhere so you know the, the, the advantage was that I I started to shoot digitally when cameras and the internet were very good so I didn't go through all that too much of the spinning wheels on screens and cameras <laughs> taking ages back up and download and stuff so I was so that was it just that you decided to change uh, like after one year or like one moment or was it like that you were probably like shooting black digital while still shooting analog just to get used to it or something or because uh, that's what I'm trying to do like with with mirrorless now like I, I try to try to get it a few events just to get used to it and just to see what advantages I can get from it and just not to get to one point that I need to because obviously they're not going to produce probably it's just end of end of the line for DSLRs at least yeah. like I'm shooting Nikon now and that's the V6 should be the last one and I guess probably the same with Canon as well and it's going to all move to mirrorless so so if it was totally. if it was like that that you were shooting both at the same time or you just change it all at one, one more? I, I, think the, I think that first Grand Prix that I did, uh, Australia 2007, I had a commission for a, a very large book project and I needed to do a couple of shoots at the Australian Grand Prix and the Malaysian Grand Prix on film. But they were, they were single, one was a start shot and one was a pit stop picture. Mm -hmm. and they were the only two and they would be the last time that I ever shot film. So I, I had one body and, mm -hmm. uh, and used one lens to do those pictures. And, um, and it was just a, I don't know, a couple of rolls of film, you know, so, um, I didn't really, uh, I didn't really run two systems uh, mm -hmm. concurrently. I, um, I, I'm a big fan of consistency. So everything, so two cameras the same, you know, two or three cameras, whatever I'm using, that are exactly the same, set up in the same way, custom functions the same. I don't want that um, that variable of picking it up and thinking, oh my God, you know, it's completely different. You know what it's like. You pick up another yeah. one of our colleagues' cameras and you can't use the damn yeah. things because, you know, they're set up completely differently. So, um, and I, you know, I've, I've not hankered after shooting film ever since. I know there's this whole kind of trendy okay. movement of shooting yeah. film. But I, I just everything, everything you could do on film, you can do digitally, and I think better. So, okay. And so, and what about mirrorless? Have you have you tried to shoot with that? Uh, I, yeah, years? I've had a I've had a, a play with uh, some of the guys at the Grand Prix. They have mirrorless kit, and I've I've had a, a kind of you know in the press room or standing next to them at a corner where we're waiting for cars to be on track. I've I've picked it up and had a go, and I. I'd like them to be a little bit bigger. I know that sounds yeah. you know, no, no, And uh, you know, you've got these big hunking great lenses and then you've got this camera which you, your, your hand seems to, you know, if you've got no. a guy's hands, you know, you're all over the thing. And no. um, so, I, I, but I 100% I, I agree with you that I, I, you know, I, it's the future. It's absolutely, you can't stop what's coming and, and that is what's coming. And I think the one DX Mark III, the six that you're talking about, uh, I think, I can't imagine that in five or six years' time they'll bring out another flagship yeah. DSL. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, um, if I buy one DX Mark III's, um, which I may well have done already, but obviously I've got nothing to shoot, yeah. so I'm, I haven't done it yet, um, they will be the final, the final ones. Yeah. 
Okay, so which which period of time over those like thirty years was was the best for you uh, in F one? And maybe from like a perspective of of F one fun or like, spectator, it's like as you. Wait, wait, as you sorry, go... sorry, man, I missed the first bit. Wait, wait, what yeah, I was just what what which period of time over those thirty years that you've been shooting F one was the most uh, was the best for you? That was the most exciting one in perspective from the perspective of like being an F1 fan and from the perspective of photography as well, either like business or whatever. Yeah, I, I well, business wise, obviously, I think about when I had the most work. So uh, that would be the year 2000, which was uh, a, a banner year for me. Um, everything just seemed to come together and, and I, I, I had lots of work, but, um, but you know, Work is not the not the be all and end all. It's quality of life, which is important. So, yeah. um, I, I'm a big believer in not necessarily looking back with rose tinted glasses at the past and thinking that's always better. Because if we had this conversation in 1996 and you asked me that question, I would probably say, ah, oh, you know, 1983 was the best ever. Now. You know, in 1983, they would have said 1976 was yeah. the best. Ever, you know, so so I I did a shoot many many years ago. One of the first shoots I ever did professionally uh, for the agency that I was working at at the time with a guy called Ken Tyrrell, which your older viewers will uh, will know was a, a, a legendary Formula One team owner, Jackie Stewart's boss, if mm -hmm. you like. And I went to Jackie. Uh, so I went to Ken's house to shoot his 50th wedding anniversary picture for him and his wife. And, uh, and he sat me down after we'd done the shot, poured me a drink and said, uh, said a number of things which have stayed with me. But one of them was, don't, don't ever look back, son. Don't ever look back and think that it was better back in the day, that, uh, that it was better then, because back then they were looking back and saying it's better then. This is the time you're living in is the best time. So I, I prefer, I prefer, you know, there are, there are obviously times when I, and I've spent a lot of time here while I've been editing my old library stuff mm -hmm. and looking at pictures from 2010 and 2006 and 1997 and these kind of things. And, and it's been interesting for me to see how my photography has changed. Obviously the cars, the drivers, the access. Um, and I've learned a lot and I've discovered pictures I'd kind of completely forgotten that I'd taken, which, is, which mm -hmm. has been nice to share those with people on Instagram. But, um, but I kind of like to think that when the cars start running again, this year will be the best year and next year will be. And then we've got the new cars in the future to look forward to. I'm not so enthused about the whole electric revolution, but I think yeah. that's, uh, that's inevitably coming to Formula One. You can hold your, put your head in the sand and want V12s burning fossil fuels, but there's no sponsors going to pay for it. So uh, we've got to just accept that now are the best times, I, 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 personally, I think. Okay, cool. So, what what cameras are you currently shooting with? I mean, you're not probably shooting right now. <laughs> anything for a few months, but, but so you I have focus. what? Yeah, one DX Mark Two. No, that's what. One D, no, like, one DX Mark Ones. Okay. I still shoot those. I I, I, I looked long and hard at getting one DX Mark Twos, but it struck me, and I, I was speaking with Canon only earlier in the week here that the the reason I didn't go for one DX Mark Twos is that and it's the case with obviously a lot of cameras now, and I can understand why the manufacturers are doing it, that they want this, this fantastic dynamic range so that you've got great shadow detail predominantly. I spend 90% of my post-processing 
time getting rid of shadow detail. So, you know, I, I, you, you know my work, it's all strong blacks and heavy contrast and, and yeah. directional lighting. And, and I, I, I kind of, I don't want a camera that sucks out all that detail and <laughs> shadows necessarily. But of course, my cameras are looking pretty tired now. They look like they've been through a couple of war zones, but um, I, uh, they're still going strong. So it's, you know, amazing testament to, because uh, as you know, photographers of, of motorsport, because we're so mobile and you're jumping over barriers and you're chasing yeah. drivers and all this kind of stuff, they take a hell of a beating. And, um, but internally, they're, they're fantastic still, which is a testament to Canon's build quality, I guess. Yeah, I just I just changed last year, after what like eight nine years at Canon. But oh, it was, oh, really? oh, right. Yeah. But Why was, did you change? Uh, it was quite like it was many. It was quite quite a lot of things, but somewhere quite personal as well. I was so. Uh, oh, you you there were photographers of the past that you that you admire to use Nikon or, or no I don't know. Personally, in a way of uh, some support and cooperation in here, but with with Nikon or Canon, and it was just and and also the, the quality of the service in here. Like I'm, I'm just talking about Czech Republic. Uh, right. Like let's say, and obviously because it was getting to the point that they knew me quite well, and it's like any, and it was always it just got back. Go or down to the excuse like that is it was full of sand because obviously like shooting in, shooting in the desert and yeah anything I brought to the table was like yeah but it's just because because of the sand and because of the sand I was like okay but it's not and then then when we sent it to the Germany it appeared that like uh, I was right and uh, you know and so it was just like a lot of like there's a lot of things and just me. I have some other guys shootings for me uh, at some events, especially Dakar. Right. I just I just can't do it by myself. Uh, so, yeah, sure. and and I and and one one of one of my photographers uh, was uh, and he's still a Nikon and and I and I saw the difference, especially I don't know if it was also about uh, my lenses were quite quite used already as well, and like especially like uh, I don't know. It was what seventy two hundred and shooting like something which was a little bit further than I would say like twenty meters in a distance. I was just getting all blurred. And when he was standing next to me and would get the same shot with the same lens and like more or less the same lens, it was it was sharp, but mine was not, or not everything was that sharp as his. And also for the post process, the the colors were just. A little bit better into the style that I was editing. It just fits better. I mean, it's it's a little bit more uh, bluish and 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 yeah. and I say so it's just working. It's the same as you were saying that you're trying to. Why would you need the shadows and uh, like the details in the shadows if you, if you go down to the shadows anyway? And it was the same. Like I was just trying to get back to like to the blue one, but. When when it gets a little bit more yellow with Canon, so but there were like like too many things, and and one of them was also like really the support, and uh, because it it, it it has changed a lot in here, and yeah. I don't know. So so then I was decided, okay, why not? And it was a little bit difficult to to try to sell my stuff because 
uh, you can imagine how it looked like after after a few jackass. It's a little bit yeah. <laughs> a little bit worse than just uh, shooting on the circuits. So, sure, sure. Uh, uh, yeah, and and it's also bad. It was not. It was all good inside. It, it got cleaned many times, but just when people see it from outside. Especially, you know, you, you get yeah, the that, sand. Yeah, you get that's the sand. The same, like that's the same with mine. It's, it's all in your in, in the backpack, or like you, you just when you when you run around and it, it just scratches like from like from your body, your t-shirt, whatever. And if you have the sand everywhere, it's just even more. So, but try to explain to people that uh, it's okay inside, or if it looks yeah. uh, like that. I've had, those, I've had those conversations. That <laughs> was a little bit difficult, but now it's okay. But I. I don't know, maybe it's going to change again uh, in the future, so, but yeah. we'll see. So and what about lenses? I, like when I went through some of the, some of the interviews that you did in, in the past, but I only found like, I don't know, it was probably like seven years ago or something like that. Say so you were talking about that you don't use Zoom lenses at all. Is it still the case? Uh, or? I, I used to, I used to not use Zoom lenses, not, not in a, not in a kind of snobby, sniffy way, if you like, um, but it was more to do with the trying to push me to, to move to the picture rather than just twist the Zoom lens, a Zoom ring. You know, I, I just thought that was, uh, when I had Zoom lenses, when I started off, obviously when they became, the quality became good and, and, uh, you know, you can have a, a, a kit bags full of lenses. In, in one zoom, as you know, especially what they're producing now, it's, it's, it's off the scale of the, uh, the ability of these things. But it was more to do with, okay, if I put an 85 mil lens on, I've got to walk backwards and forwards and make an effort to make that picture work rather than just, you know, twist the, yeah. twist the ring. Um, and I, I, I had one of Canon's first into the UK, I had one of Canon's first 70 to 200s when for the EOS system, when they, when they went white, I can't, I can't remember when it, when it was, but mm -hmm. um, I took it to Monaco and every time I composed the picture I, and, got it, and got happy with it, I made a mental note of where the zoom was. And as I'd read on statistics about people using zoom lenses, it was almost always at its widest. 70 or 200, yeah. 200, yeah, it was 180 to 200 all the time or, or or 80 to about 90 all the time. So I just thought, right, well, I'll just use a 280, you know, it's, it's, and then have converters. So, um, so at races now, although that's changed because I, I, I shot the uh, America's Cup in Bermuda, testing and practice and everything for that, and borrowed off Canon a 11 to 24 zoom and was blown away by that. The quality of it is off the scale. Uh, it's got a massive element on the front of it, which you've got to be damn careful about. But <laughs> um, but it's uh, it's a beautiful lens, and of course, it takes the place of so many quite big, heavy lenses at that at that length, at that range. So uh, so I use that, um, and I use a fifty, either a fifty mil f one point two or the old Canon fifty mil f one, which I take to. That's so big and heavy that I only take it to. Um, Singapore, Bahrain, the night races because it gives it unbelievable flair. The, the way that the, the, the light bounces around inside it, it's, it looks like stuff that, that's done on post, but it's actually using it under the floodlights in places like Singapore or, or Bahrain or, or Abu Dhabi is difficult because you've got so much flair going on in the inside. And of course, if you're shooting at F1, you, you've got you know, that much focus link. 
but it's, uh, the rewards are, are fantastic. And I shoot a, either a 135 or a, or a 100 mil macro lens. And then a, um, if I'm taking the 135, I can use a two times and a 1.4 converter on that. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes a 200 mil and then always a 400 mil. Used to use the six, but now mm -hmm. use a, a 400. Just because it's light and so portable and converters are so good that you can kind of get around having to carry that massive, massive hunk of glass at 600 is. Mm -hmm. So that's my kit. Cool. Is there anything else except uh, apart from uh, cameras and lenses that, or computer, obviously, that you can't imagine not to have with you when you shoot your F1? Earplugs. Um, <laughs> and um, <laughs> not necessarily because the cars are that loud anymore, although they are louder than people give them credit for, especially at places <laughs> like Monaco and Singapore and, you know, where the, the noise is kept in. I think TV does a bad job of getting across that noise, to be honest. But um, I, I use a, a, a loop to, which I carry around my neck to, to, to confirm the picture is, uh, is good on the back of the camera. Um, as a, there's a few other photographers now I've started to, to, to do the same in F1. And that came obviously from watching movie, movie uh, directors of photography and people like that who just you know, pick a loop up, look at the, on the back. Because when you're working, as, a, as you will appreciate, when you're working in really bright sunlight, it's damn hard to see, yeah. you know, especially if your cars, if your subject is small in the frame or, or you're working with flare and contrast and stuff, it's quite difficult to see. So uh, just a, a quick look on the, on the loop, bang. That's, you know, a, my, that's, my, a, that's a good thing about mirrorless that you can, you can see it in a viewer in the north. Of course, so. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, I hadn't thought yeah. of that at all. So, because then you, you, you don't have any, any, any sun on your screen and you just, you just see it through that. So that's a good thing, oh, actually. That's even less to carry when you've got mirrorless. Yeah. <laughs> uh, cool. So now the question is like, where do you where do you get uh, some inspiration from? Because the, and this is this is like it's just unbelievable for me that like you've been shooting it for like more than thirty years. As you, so I'm still still not like shooting the same stuff all over and over again and uh, and the question is also like if it's if it's it's a within motorsports because i guess it quite it, it could be quite dangerous to to look at out of out of f1 photographers uh, to not to be like to not to get too much influence and then even though you you would not like copy them but then you can even like think about it like why would i shot this one because i why would i shoot this what one do you, mean, do you mean do you mean other people looking at, at my work no, you, you 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 where, where do you get inspiration for, for right, like okay. your photos and um, if you ever look to other other people's photos because i guess it could be because then you you can even start thinking about it like yeah. I, I won't shoot this one because i've, I've seen it somewhere i don't want to copy anyone yeah, or I, if you yeah. if you look more on like I don't know other stuff like architectural landscape or, or some other motorsport or something like that. Yeah, I I get uh, inspirations from from all those things that you've mentioned really, um, and particularly movies. So certain directors of photography that that uh, I'm big fans of, uh, photographers of the past like William Eggleston, which all all kind of photographers really should look at his stuff and uh, and learn. Joel Sternfeld is a photographer. I'm, are really, really passionate about. These guys are Stephen Shaw stuff back in the day. These guys are all kind of 
from the 60s and 70s, really. They're shooting now still, but it's that seminal work they did in that period that, uh, that really, really influences me. Uh, Vivian Myers stuff of, uh, of just street. Yeah, street photography is such a big thing now. Uh, we all follow them on Instagram and get you know, inspiration from them. But there's nothing in the in the nothing anywhere near the the class and the and the quality of, of Vivian Myers uh, imagery or Saul Leiter these people that were doing it way back you know sort of Vivian Myers used the waist level camera you know it, it's which actually is a really good thing to use for street photography because you're not you know yeah. you're not holding the camera up at people and um, as far as photographers now are concerned I, I generally Obviously, I'm aware of what other photographers are doing because I follow my, my competitors and my friends on, on Instagram. Um, and so you see, you see what they're doing. And I'm a big believer in, in nothing is different. Nothing is new, if you like. You know, we, we've, 1839, people started taking pictures. Everything has been done. Yep. And uh, when cars started racing, what, in about 1906, 1904, that kind of time, People started taking pictures of them and everything has been done. The great motorsport photographers of the past have covered off every angle, every angle you think of. Louis Clement Askey, Jelia, Jesse Alexander, Rainer Schlegelmilch, Paul Henri Kaye, uh, you know, all these guys back in the day. And I think it's, it's arrogant of, of, of some photographers these days who, who think that they're the first one to do a picture, a particular picture or, or, or style, you know, it's, it's, it's all it's all influenced from what came before, but I I just try to generally remain uh, at the top of my game if I can. Never drop the ball. I don't want to, as I've seen with some of the photographers that I was a big fan of when I was uh, when I was much younger. They they sometimes can kind of lose that creative flair and they become almost not paparazzi, but almost you know running around the paddock shooting drivers doing their swipes as they come in the paddock you know that kind of numbskull photography um and i i never want to do that i'll stop before i have to do that stuff um <clears throat> so that's kind of my my you know my my desire I, I i'm not interested in taking pictures that that don't excite me and if as long as they excite other people then uh, then that's that's great and i try to I try to, if I do a particular picture this year at a circuit, I try not to do it for another two years at least. Try to make a separation between. Obviously, mm -hmm. that can be difficult because there are certain circuits where it works to do those pictures and your clients expect to see them. That, yeah, but, that's what I was about to ask, yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I try. I try to, to have that discipline. Okay, cool. So... That's what, I, that's what I was about to ask. Like, what, what's your mindset in, like, going somewhere for the 20th, 30th time? And if, if it's really, like, trying to get to different spots every year or at least, like, I don't know, different angles, if you, if you need to be at the same corner or, like, if you shoot, like, the first corner, so trying to, trying to do it a bit different in the years before. Or if there is anything, like, must have shots from from some of the races maybe because the clients uh want yeah. you to shoot it and maybe like you have a different client that you had uh the year before two years before and and like and and they would probably get you just because of like some shots that that they saw is like year yeah. past few years so and, and i guess you can't just 
tell them say I shot this like last year. So <laughs> I'll do that next or, year. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> or so how, so how does it work? Yeah, well, and, well and, yeah. it's a it's it's a relevant question, and um, I, I I obviously if a client you know wants a certain frame or or a certain picture, then then, then I do that. But generally. Generally, the clients that I've been very fortunate to have, um, I, they come to me for a certain type of picture or a certain style, if you like. So, um, but of course, they go, to, they go to every photographer for a certain type of style. If they go to a big agency, it's because they want that generally more staccato picture of a parked, car, car parked on a corner with a big advertising hoarding and Pirelli visible on the tires. And, you know, because that photographer is obviously is, is directed by his boss or his client to, to, to get everything sharp on the car. You know, if, if then, then generally my role with certainly commercial, uh, commercial companies and, and partners within Formula One has been that they will employ a, a Getty and LAT, you know, these kind of big agencies. And then I might be employed to sprinkle some fairy dust on top of the of the set of pictures you know that 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 kind of that kind of thing i, I don't mean that to sound like i'm any better than, no, no, than the other no, photographers no. because that's what they do that's their brief um formula one is full of good photographers so that's that's really what i'm what i i'm trying to do but at the end of the day the client's paying the money so he's always right so if he wants that picture he's gonna get it <laughs> <laughs> okay so I'd like to ask a bit about the workflow and I would uh, probably uh, you can talk about the pre-event workflow, what you do, how you prepare for for the event, then a little bit about doing the event, about shooting and some post process. So yeah. about, about the pre-event thing, so probably uh, would talk about some new new circuits if there if there's a new circuit because I guess you you don't need to do that much preparation if you come to a circuit for the twentieth time because because you know it but uh, but if you, if you look back less. in the days yeah. what yeah if you look back in the days less. if you were going for some some of the circuits for the first time or if there's a new circuit coming so if you like I don't know walk through trying to look for the sun how it's going to be and trying to like plan. Uh, plan the schedule and everything. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, a good example of that would be somewhere like uh, Sochi. The first time we went to the, the Sochi Autodrome, um, like like most new races, you'd turn up a day earlier than perhaps you would if, if you know if you went to I don't know how many times I've been to Barcelona or Spa or places like that. Huh. But you'd always turn up. I would Thursday Thursday lunchtime. If you got a new circuit, so. Um, Say Vietnam would have been the case this year if, if we if we were going we may well go but I I, I doubt it and um, so you turn up a day early and then I would generally walk walk the circuit all all photographers worth their salt will do this um, and you walk the wrong way because obviously you're shooting cars you know you go against the direction of cars um, and I generally walk the outside perimeter road and then the inside perimeter road. And I've always got uh, got a you know a map I've drawn of the circuit or the or the printed FIA one, and then have little codes and and kind of you know lines of where I'm going to walk, what I'm going to do. Obviously, you've got to be variable because the weather uh, changes, and um, depending on when when circuit when cars are on circuit, which used to be obviously 
all the time the same at every race, but now we've got a lot of dusk races, night races, uh, which, which is generally much better for photographers. Yeah. And, um, and I'll take, I might have a, have a camera with me, or I certainly would have my phone with me, and I'll take reference pictures of, of where I am, try and look for access points. That's a big part of shooting Formula One, and, and it will be the same, exactly the same for you, how you can get from one location to the next yeah. location without killing yourself, because I know what it's like in rallying, um, and uh, and and trying to make it, you know, your 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 time that the cars are on track, that you're working as productive as possible. Because working on my own, you know, I haven't got eight photographers that can cover off every corner and, and um, with ease. So uh, that's that's really the way I use I use various apps, like a lot of a lot of us do now, to show the track of the sun, you know, that kind of thing likely shadows mm -hmm. but it's 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 difficult to to work those things out you know until cars are on track because once a car's on track and you see the attitude of them the racing line might be slightly different to what you imagine so you know you, you've got to be remain variable um, obviously as you say at a racetrack where i've been 150 times you're pretty nailed on you know exactly where you need to be relative to where the sun sun's going to be shining from and um just trying to vary it you know as i say not do the same that I'd, exactly the same i did last yeah. year or you you take a flyer and go okay to to on the outside of a corner that you know it really works on the inside but you'll you'll go at a different time of day and, and shoot maybe on the outside of the corner or you know but that's uh that can be that can work for you or that can work against you so um you know and then as far as uh, the workflow post the session, I'm back to, back to the media room. Uh, I use uh, MacBook Pro. Um, I, use, uh, I shoot everything raw. And then in the raw converter, switch it into, go through, pick the pictures that I, that I like, that I think have worked or that need to be sent quickly, that kind of thing. Then work on, uh, in the raw converter, um, not too much in the raw converter, uh, just, just, you know, pulling everything together or darkening the shadows if I want to do that kind of thing. Uh, and then I send it to my technician who works in, uh, London. Fantastic, fantastic guy, Brad, a uh, very good photographer in his own, uh, in his own right, but he's a, mm -hmm. a brilliant, um, Photoshop guy, self-taught. And, um, and then he sends them back the next day and then I'll completely uncropped or, you know, and then I'll work on them to make them the, the finished article. Generally not the race. I'll do it when I get back to my office. I'll, I'll, you know what it's like. You can spend 14 hours a day working on these damn pictures <laughs> and, um, you know, and, uh, and they're kind of never finished because yeah. <laughs> I'm going back to pictures from 10 years ago and thinking, my God, that is so badly processed. And redoing everything you know and um and then send send the stuff out put it in the library i generally have about it's depending on the race about 250 to 350 pictures that are finished in my library so that if a magazine somewhere in the world says right we need a an edit of jensen button pictures i can bang 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 i go onto the raid system that i've got and everything jensen button comes up mm -hmm. and i'll I'll pick it off and, uh, and we transfer it to them. So, um, it's, it's quite formulaic, you know, how it is. Um, but, uh, 
know, that's that's what works. Okay, so from so if you sat like two hundred fifty to three hundred, and what so what's the what was the amount of photos that you actually take during the during the weekend? That's a question I get I get asked a lot by by people, and I, and I always always slightly wonder why 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 it's asked. It, it, not not I don't mean that to sound rude, but but it's no. you you take what. I've always thought you take what you need, you know, and, and obviously it's some races. If I was in Monaco this weekend and the sun's shining um, and, it, and it's a, you know, cars are on track and it's a great day, then, then you'll probably shoot more there than I would at Hockenheim or Silverstone, um, you know, yeah. but, but it, it, it really is just relative to, to the brief that one has from one's clients, to the weather, to the variable nature of what's happening on the circuit, uh, to to what you need to get in that session, you know, as I see my my the work that I come up with over a, the end on Monday morning, it's a body of work. Sometimes I'll I'll not panic. I'm not a guy who panics at all, but uh, you know, you can get to the I get to the end of Friday and like, oh my god, I've got about eight pictures that are that are that are good, you know. But by Sunday lunchtime. You know, you've got the grid and the race to do, and you're, you're, you know, you're you're doing all right. So it's but uh, that's experience. That's that's many yeah. years of doing it that um, that have taught me that. You know, not not to worry. And um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, yeah. So uh, that's that's. No, if it's uh, if it's more more about experience, like if you shoot, but that, that that's what we probably talked about before that like from from the analog thing from shooting on film you probably don't like just haul it all the time so it's about yeah. like what amount of photos like i don't know from one corner you have and then you pick one so if you have i don't know five or if you have 50 so it's more more like that to 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 know like the ratio of like what goes through or maybe like if you well, the ones, to... that I, the ones that I would keep and work on, yeah, 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 ones yeah, I would delete. yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. So, apologies. Um, it depends on the on the on the type of picture, really. If I'm doing something that's a, a sixth of a second, then it, there's not going to be yeah. many that are usable, and I, and and you know, but you only need one. You know what it's like. You know, you can you, you shoot one absolute banging picture, and a lot of people assume that every picture is like that. That's good for people <laughs> like us, but I'm afraid <laughs> it's not the case. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, so so whereas if it's a, a, a car, you know, a, a five hundred, a thousandth of a second head-on picture, and he's bumping and, and putting the left front wheel in the air, those you know you would expect as a professional photographer, not using autofocus and not just motor driving the the, the, the car through the frame, you should expect to get. I still think in I still think in a roll of thirty six film you should still get thirty usable. You know that that's kind of you know that that's kind of what I was taught when I was shooting film. Um, but of course, you can use autofocus. You can use uh, what are these? Some of these mirror, mirrorless cameras shoot twenty frames a second or something yeah. crazy. Thirty frames a second. Um, you know, so the one DX Mark Three is up is up at is it twenty frames a second? I, I, you know, yeah, it's like William Eggleston. You asked me earlier about photographers that, that influenced me. William Eggleston always takes one picture of sees a scene, takes one frame, and leaves. Now that is an unbelievable discipline to to have as a photographer, a very very worthy one. 
but incredibly hard to do. And he does it because he says that he doesn't want to spend hours going, should it be that one or that one or that one or that one? No, sure. Well, if you're shooting 20 frames a second, I can't imagine you'd ever come Yeah, me neither. It's like, it's, it's like people like ask me quite a lot. I, I, I just had last weekend, I had workshops that for like two days and people are asking me like, if it's like that it's really important like how many how many pictures per second and that you can't shoot sport with that and that it's like not really like obviously i have the the best equipment available but it's but the frame per second is not really relevant for me like no. uh, I, if it's like okay it's 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 probably like big difference if you have two or ten but from like 10 to 20 i don't really care like i don't know what, what i would do with 20, 20 photos per second. Like I don't really I, want like I, shooting at Dakar, but I, I don't really want to get like that. Like I would be well, you probably need, still. You need damn big cards, don't you? These yeah. days. So, and and that's the thing. Then going through it, and and I need to like especially at the Dakar. Like we need to send it every day as soon as possible. And like at Dakar, we shoot probably for like fifty clients, something like that. It's like every day, so it's really? so it's it's a lot of pictures, and it's like. A lot of us to to and to put it together, and it's not about like sending twenty pictures to each of them, but it's it's more about because you you it's not a circuit. You're not even sure where they go, so it's more about to be sure that you get at least yeah. some shots of 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 them. So you then from all of us, I would probably end up I don't know about four or five pictures uh, a day uh, of like each of them, yeah. but. But yeah, I, I can't imagine, it, it already takes a lot of time to go through the pictures and I can't imagine you have like double amount of the pictures because I, that's, that's just too many. And I'm, I'm quite, I'm glad that I started actually with, with Dakar and like all those like desert ready stuff because I mean, I, I don't want to compare, I, I can't imagine to be shooting on, uh, on film like nowadays, but the thing that it's, Quite similar to it, that I I only have one chance per day to yeah. to get the shot. They don't go around me. To, it's just one one chance per day, and it needs to be perfect. Well, at the Dakar, you get one a day. Yeah, yeah, one a day. Like wow. you, you see you see them only once. So the thing is, you need to. It's all about compromising as well. Don't like you, you use your? You, I know you have a helicopter, don't you? So you know you don't use it to go to the next stage. <laughs> No, no, no. So, no. so sometimes you can see them two times, but but like when it's a loop. But anyway, I don't do it because then it's too late to you know and to shoot everyone like near the start and go to the finish. You would you would end up like you would finish in the afternoon having double amount of pictures and to go through it and and to send it. It's just too many. So that's a, that's that's pressure. That's pressure. So you have one. You, you see them once a day and you need to compromise about the, the spot that you are so you can be able to to run around to, to deliver different photos from, I mean, not each of the competitors, but at least like within the team, like if you shoot a team that has five riders in it, I can't shoot all of them the same way because the only yeah, thing yeah, that sure. just changes the number. Well, I, so, I much prefer 75 laps on a Sunday afternoon to that. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> So that, that, that what I was like, so the good thing is that I, I started there and it just, I, I learned how to, how to be perfect, just like have one, one chance per day. 
and also you need to play safe a bit sometimes it's because yeah. you just you just can't say i was just trying something i sorry it did not work so yeah. uh, <laughs> you don't have the pictures today it all goes on me unfortunately <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh that i'm the one to blame because uh, i i choose them to go with me so yeah they, they should know how to do it as well but it, it just happens it happens to me as well that, that even though i've been there nine times and 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 do it, like a lot of other races when you are there in the dunes you can't expect where they go or whatever but it, it's not just like certain point there's a point but they can go within like 100 meters around so you need uh, to... i always wanted that yeah yeah so then you run around in the dunes and obviously the first one goes somewhere then you run there and then the other one is uh, is coming through the the, the the spot that you were standing at so but yeah but the thing is now when i go to i've been going to some other events for i don't know six seven years or whatever so I've been shooting what ten years, and then it was more all those like rally race events in Dakar, and 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 then I started to move to other another events, and it's just it started to be for I'm not saying it's easy, but it's just much easier for me like to go to MotoGP, and actually that's like I go to one one corner and I only shoot like one lap or maximum like two laps. I, and that's just because I, I, I changed the lenses or something and then just move somewhere else. Uh, yeah. Uh, so I'm really glad that I started with, with Well, it's a good part. discipline, isn't it? It's a good discipline. Yeah. To... yeah. And, and to, back, back to the workflow a bit. So do you, do you actually plan, like, or do you schedule your, your weekend, like, that you would go, like, the first practice, you would go to the pit lane and shoot this or this, or you go out and try to actually see the lines of the car. So is there anything, is it planned like this for you or that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it is. I, um, uh, I, I've often thought it, it might be nice for people to like on Instagram or things like that. If I, if I photograph the, the maps that I do of my <laughs> plan of attack and little sunsets and sunrises and all that kind of stuff. But I, of course, you know what it's like. I don't want other photographers to see it. So, no. <laughs> Which might be a bit, a bit silly and a bit precious, but you know, it's it's all yeah. we've got is the places we stand. So, um, I, uh, but yes, I will definitely have a workflow worked out. And generally, that will be one session in the pit lane. Uh, if I'm working for or with a, a particular team or a commercial client, then you know you've got garage access for a certain amount of time. Obviously, you are beholden a bit to when they will grant you that access. But generally, they're pretty malleable, and they'll 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 work with you. And um, then I'll spend the rest of the weekend out on track. Now that might be up in buildings if you're in a if you know for a session if you're at a, at a, at a street track. Um, it might be I don't know in grandstands. It might be at safe and standard you know alongside the track. So it's um, it's it's generally that in practice and qualifying. I'm trying to cover off pretty pictures in the race. There's still an element of that, but after shooting the grid, which it, which I adore shooting the grid, the buzz of it, the intense nature of it, the fact that now uh, drivers are so difficult to photograph any other time. Uh, back in the day, they used to come out at about four o'clock after debriefings, drivers, 
certain ones that I was very friendly with or, or, or guys who would come out and chat. And you get lots of pictures of them hanging about in the paddock. And generally, of course, they would get a lot less hassle from photographers because someone like Juan Pablo Montoya, who would always come out and I got on very well with, you would get loads of pictures of him. So the next day he comes out, photographers kind of almost ignore him, if you like, you know, you, you, <laughs> you, you know what I mean? You know, whereas yeah. now if Hamilton comes out or Sebastian Vettel or, or Charles Leclerc or, you know, these guys, it's just photographers going nuts to try and get them because particularly Hamilton, you, he makes it so bloody difficult to get pictures that it becomes, I'm sure, it's, oh, it's a stupid game, but it's a, it's, he wants that to happen, but it's annoying for him at the same time. And then you've got his, uh, his helmet carriers and his handlers, you know, pushing you away and running around with their bloody iPhones in your way. Um, and, uh, it, you know, you, so the grid, generally, you don't have that. So you're, you know, you can be right up close to, to drivers. Different drivers are, some are fantastic, some are not so good. Vettel is brilliant. He seems to, he seems to have this, this thing where he just doesn't see you, doesn't notice you. Never had a problem with him at all. Charles Leclerc is, is brilliant. He's like a, he's like a throwback to the sixties or seventies. He, he comes onto the grid and he sits down. I'm sure you've seen pictures of him. He sits down next to his car. Yeah. And there's a maelstrom of photographers. Australia last year, was the first. I shot him at, uh, at Alfa Romeo for a few few shoots, but I didn't notice that he sat down in Australia last year, his first race for Ferrari. I almost fell over him because, you know, you're walking down the edge of the grid, you're looking for drivers, looking for, for interesting team people, and, and suddenly I stopped, and there's Charles Leclerc sat, you know, on the ground. Of course, your immediate reaction is, you're all right. You know, it's just, it's just chilling out. You know, I did a few pictures, a couple of other photographers did a pictures they got seen on instagram at bahrain the next race oh my god there were 200 photographers around you know 20 <laughs> deep of course the picture then was to show him in the middle of this maelstrom with this throng of people but he's continued doing it and at, and at each race the amount of photographers shooting him gets less and less because it's a done picture an overly done picture now um and then, uh, and then you've, you've got the flip side of that where some drivers are particularly difficult and they don't want photographers there. Uh, Hulkenberg was, was particularly bad for that. Um, Hamilton is, is his own superstar, you know. Yeah, stage I was, I was quite lucky so. because I went to, to only two, two F1s. Like last year I went to Monaco but I was yeah. shooting Monaco because I know the, the, the royal family. So I got like the accreditation and everything from the, <laughs> from the, from the prince. Oh, no, I, I, I know his nephew, nephew, the one that I was right. on the podium and get the trophies as well today. Oh yeah. yeah. And, uh, uh, yeah. So it was, it was quite cool. And I guess Monaco is contacts where you can, it's not what you know yeah. too. <laughs> Yeah. So I guess, but I guess Monaco is a whole different story. And the, one day I was just like, uh, when I was walking to the track, I just, I just, I, I didn't know. I accidentally run to Hamilton. It was burn, burning tires on his bike in the middle of the fan zone. Oh yeah. And then, uh, and then the the signing session was quite quite good as well. And and otherwise, yeah, it was quite difficult to get portraits of him or anything. But then. Because I, I shoot a lot for Monster Energy, 
as like main client for anything, anything like at the DAPA as well, but anything I go out of DAPA, like MotoGP or anything, I shoot for Monster. Right. So then they saw the pictures and they like send it to Mercedes as well. And, uh, and, and they liked it and they said, okay, I can come for, for some other races. So I went to Spa and in Spa, I, like they, they told me from Mercedes, like come to, come to, to meet us and to, to try to talk about what you can do or not. And, and I expected like, uh, I did not really expect anything uh, from it. Then they were like, okay, so when do you want to go to, to the garage? And I was like, I don't know, what, what fits the best for you? And they were like, we can come anytime you want. Which was so, so I spent like hot, like the whole first session in there and he was actually getting some technical issues. So he was there for like 40 minutes inside, which yeah. was, which was quite good. And, and, and the other session as well, they just told me you can come anytime you want, just be careful, don't shoot any screens, don't shoot anything like that. And that was it. So it was like, it was really cool. So just two, two of my, uh, two of my F1s that I shot when, went quite well. And yeah, the other well, thing that's, is, that's nice. That's always, it's always, um, it's always, uh, I don't know whether it would be this, it wouldn't be the same on Dakar because you're so spread out, I guess. But um, it, it's always, there's always a kind of, I, I try not to get involved with it, but this silly buzz that you, you, you'll get back in the press room and people will say, who the hell's that photographer in, in Mercedes? You know, they might be talking <laughs> about you. Yeah. Who's that guy? And it, and it always goes that, that it always quickly comes down to oh he's getting paid forty thousand dollars a day and he's working for Hamilton you know he's, he's, he's working with with the team or you know he's, he's and, it, and it, people are obsessed with money and uh, and that, that photographer is earning millions a minute um, but it's always comes down to a simple story like you've just said um, that that you your client wants you to be there and the team because Monster Energy pay millions of pounds to these people, they want you in there. So that's, that's, it's, it's great. You know, it's great to get, get that kind of access. I know that when I, when I went and photographed the America's Cup stuff, there were photographers there like, who's this, who's this F1 no. idiot who's getting all these boats given to him and getting on, <laughs> getting on the yachts, you know, but it was funny to be on the other side of that. But, um, you know, it's just, I, I, I really, I, I always just focus on what I'm doing. Don't worry about what other people are up to. Don't worry about where other people are standing or what they're doing or what their work is because you just can't know. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. so good that you've got good access at Mercedes. It's, uh, it's something I've never had. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I really did not expect it to be that easy because when it comes to like MotoGP and, and I, and I've been shooting MotoGP like, uh, uh, a lot more and shot Rossi many times at like a lot of occasions but still going to Yamaha's garage it's like I can go to one practice for like two minutes I need to be like really far from him and whatever it's like it, it's not about him but more about the people around uh, and yeah and that was so so I expected something like this and and I mean and there is a lot more space in a MotoGP uh, box than in <laughs> F1 yeah, I, I, it's, 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 it's funny you say that, Marianne, because I did, uh, I did motor. It was before it's called MotoGP, I think, um, back in the doing the doing era of the Big Bang engines and that 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 era, Daryl Beatty and and uh, Mick uh, Schwantz and, and and that kind of era. And um, I photographed 
uh, probably 10 MotoGP, uh, 500 bike Grand Prix races. Yeah. It, the amount of work was massive. You know, having that, you have to do one, two, five, two, fifty, five hundred. You know, it was it was bang, bang, bang. You know, it was really a lot of hard work. Um, but the but there were two or three overriding things that I remember and I, I, I really enjoyed was the the human element, seeing a rider on the bike, seeing what he's doing. I'm so yeah. used to, obviously you go to Formula One now, you can't see, you wouldn't know as a human being in the bloody things. Um, they're, they're so ensconced in stuff. And um, I love that about bikes. I love the fact that, you know, there, there's so much, there's such a, yeah. a human element and you can see different styles and you get overtaking and you're all, all this kind of stuff that, that bikes is so exciting for. And there's a lot of people in Formula One who follow, who follow MotoGP, a lot of people. And I found, but, but on the flip side, I found the attitude of people within bike Grand Prix very, very dismissive of Formula One. Anytime I was, yeah. it was, I was introduced as, uh, this guy is, this is Darren Heath, he shoots Formula One. Oh, you know, it was, it was sniffy attitude and it was condescending to Formula One. And exactly as you say, the, 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 the attitude of people was that Formula One is closed off, snobby, if you like, dismissive of other people. And yet you've, you've given a perfect story of how the top team with the best driver in the world, the reigning world champion, was completely open to you to come into their team and do, you know, Mercedes are just about the most professional team in the sport. They, are, they have set new levels. They are an incredible team all across the board. And they gave you the access and they were friendly and they gave you the space in a garage which is beautifully organized but doesn't have a lot of space. Right. Whereas at bike Grand Prix, I was getting hassle for not having the right sticker and the not right, right place. And, and you're looking around this garage and I'm working for, say, Philip Morris, shooting Max Biaggi, something like that. And there's people pulling at you to get out of the way and, and, and there's you and the rider in there. <laughs> there's no one else. You know? And I thought it had a real attitude problem of the people not necessarily the riders but the people yeah, yeah, yeah. in it you know was, was really like you need to think a little bit of the bigger picture yeah i'll probably get abuse from from people who follow bike grand prix and stuff like that you know, but, <laughs> but it's not meant like that i love watching them i love watching what well, there's riders that i think i'm real fans of you know and, and, and I, I really enjoy it so yeah and then i was i was lucky enough to be in Valencia in December, when Luis and Valentino uh, yeah. uh, made the swap, and and uh, Luis was like super nice, and like I got so many portraits of him that I got to to that point that I was not shooting them. <laughs> so, well, like I said, like I said, yeah. <laughs> so. you know, you, you, and I just don't understand. In a way, it's an ego-driven thing. I think that they try to push people away, and it's a bizarre situation with particularly Hamilton, that he knows, he knows, I, I worked with him, I worked for McLaren for, for many years, so I worked in and around him in the garage and would have conversations about camera gear and Likers and stuff like that and, and got on with him well, but, but then there's this, as those years go away, there becomes this kind of disingenuous attitude to, to me and to other photographers that he knows. He knows very well who the photographers are who are doing a serious job and he knows the ones who are not. And because I know, because he asks, I know people that he asks, he then tell me. 
who did this picture? Who's that guy? You know, he's quite inquisitive like that. And, um, and yet this, this, this kind of, it's incredibly difficult to, and he would deliberately hide away from photographers and take different exits and, and phones and hoods and all this silly malarkey. Right. And, um, and then you'll see a picture of him at the New York Fashion Week and he's posing, dressed in yeah. clothes that perhaps only he would wear. And he's posing for people, <laughs> he's posing for photographers who wouldn't care less what happens to him when he's, he's, he's dismissive of guys like me who just want to make him look like a hero because that's, that's our job, you know, and uh, it's, it's puzzling. It's really puzzling. It's not, um, Lewis is a big fan of Ayrton Senna. I can tell you Ayrton Senna was an absolute dream to work around. The guy was, was he used to laugh and joke with us photographers and he would, he would you know, deliberately do things to make you, make you laugh. And, and, but you'd always get a picture. You'd always, you know, you never, I never, ever, ever saw a photographer told by Ed and Senna to, to push off, you know, or, to, or, or had a PR person push someone away. It was, uh, oh. he was, you know. So it's interesting that, that Hamilton aligns himself so much with a guy who was a complete professional in that sense. Cool. Uh, so a bit more about uh, when it comes to when it comes to panning. Uh, I know obviously it depends on speed and like how far you are or whatever. But what is the shutter speed that it's actually when it gets challenging for you to <laughs> to to start to get the pictures that you like that, that that you want and that are like sharp where you want or whatever. Yeah. Well, I, I guess I guess it it. it uh... It, it depends on on the picture, Marion. It, it depends on on what you're trying to get. You know, it, some if you're trying to do some kind of Kandinsky style, you know, completely uh, um, impressionistic kind of picture, then then th there's less concern with with you know that part has got to be sharp. But of course, as you know, a photographer is really trying to get the helmet of the driver sharp. And everything else a blur that's become quite difficult with the, the halo i understand yeah. why it's there but as for photographers it's a pain in the, in the backside um so you know that that's but i'll be i'll generally i wouldn't do a pan shot anything above uh, i don't know 20 20th of a uh, 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 13th you know that kind of that kind mm -hmm. of thing because i'll, I'll often have particularly if you're working for a client that, that they want you to, you know, they want to see their logo sharp, but they want that creative feel, if you like. Um, they always want two diametrically opposed things. Uh, so, you know, you're trying to balance that sharpness with that, that speed blur, if you like. So I've always got in my mind, I'm being pulled to the side of the kind of creative side, but my mortgage payments just make sure that I've got, to, I've got to go the other side, you know, so it's a balance. It's a balance, you know, between trying to deliver something interesting, but trying to do, deliver something commercially uh, viable. But if, if I'm shooting for myself, then I much prefer lots of, you know, a, a, a quarter of a second, a sixth of a second, an eighth of a second, you know, it, it's, I'm not trying to sound overly clever. It's just, that's, that's what I <laughs> enjoy. You know, cars parked on corners, uh, thousands of a second. I just, I can't see the value of those to anyone personally. Okay. 
does it I guess it gets like from experience that you have, but does it like a driving style of a of of a driver affect your photography somehow as well? Like if you for example if there's some corner and and you actually need to pre-focus manually or whatever and, and you need to and, and you want to have it like really focus and shooting the four hundred or something, do you do you put in there like knowledge about uh are you able to say like which driver is like going where? So you would fuck you somewhere else when Lewis is coming through compared to yeah. I don't know Vettel for stopping. Well, someone, some, someone like someone like Hamilton is 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 so metronomically brilliant uh, that as was Senna, as was Schumacher, um, these guys that you you just know they're going to hit they're going to hit the same point every lap. Uh, one of the first foreign Grand Prix I did, which was I think eighty nine Portugal. Um, I, I went to a place, one, two, th third corner at, at Estoril. I don't know if it's exactly the same now, but it was just a two-tier armco and you could get very low and the cars would come around and you're completely at eye level. You're almost below the cars. It was a fantastic place to, to shoot from. And of course, when those um, V12 Honda engines would come and you'd hear Senna coming, you, the photographer that, that was my boss was a big fan of 36 or 38 frames on a roll looking exactly the same. And so it was something that I had to try and uh, perfect. And at, and at that race, I think it was, I think Senna was on, his, on, the, on track on his own. There were four or five laps where it was no other cars. And so, so there was one frame Senna, next frame, next frame, next frame. And you know, you're just trying to, uh, to, to pop him off in, in, in that way. Um, and he would always hit the same place, sort always applied at the same place, you know, so you, you just get into a rhythm. But then there are other drivers like uh, what springs to mind is Felipe Massa when he was at uh, Salva. Um, he was in Canada one year. I really remember that, that he was every lap, he was at a different place, different place on the circuit. You know, it was, it was, it was difficult to know. There are other drivers I would particularly say, say a good example now is that the, the Alfa Romeos, particularly the Red Bulls, because of the way the car is set up with the, with the rake at the front, that you will get lots of sparks from those cars into certain corners or along bumpy straights. So you'll, you'll say the first corner at, at uh, Shanghai is a fantastic place to do spark pitches. So you know when the Mercedes come through, you might get a few sparks. You'll get a bit of, of puff from the plank as he bounces into the first turn. Um, but you know when, when every photographer who's lined up there at the fence pricks up when they know the, the Red Bull's on track. Because, you know, you see him come out the pit lane and you know, right, next lap, I've got to nail it because that Red Bull is going to be a Christmas tree of lights as he goes <laughs> past. And, um, and you... You know, you you shoot it in in that way. So you there are times when you're ready for different drivers or different cars um, that that will have a different attitude. Mm -hmm. Do you do you ever use or I don't know if in, if it's even allowed to do you use any remote cameras to to, to shoot? Do um, you ever use it? Not a football, I used to, but uh, but not um, not at Formula One. Uh, maybe maybe uh, we used to uh, mount cameras on. On the pit stops, I've done that a few times, mm -hmm. but that was always a, that was always 
bloody nerve-wracking because you were terrified the camera was going to fall off. <laughs> but for certain teams, teams will make special brackets uh, when that became something to do. Red Bull, McLaren, those guys will make uh, for their photographers. Red, the, the McLaren guys, who, who I still got on with fantastically well, they will make make little bits and pieces for your cameras to help, you know, and screws, special screws, bits of carbon fiber that can go on the cameras and stuff. Um, so you, you know, mechanics love a problem. You you, you give, give give them something and say, can you fix this or make that work? They'll um, they'll almost drop what they're doing on the car and, and fix your cameras <laughs> for you. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So when you when you look back, uh, when you look back to your photos you were taken at the beginning of your career, are you still happy with those? Or did you anything in a different way? I don't I don't mean obviously not talking about the quality of the equipment or but just but maybe about the style or like has it developed somehow? Is it are you, are you still shooting shooting the same thing or? Have, do you, no, do you follow, I don't know, some trend or trends yeah, or something? It's very relevant now because of this, this, this global lockdown panic, whatever you want to call it. Um, the, I've been going through almost every day. My, uh, I've got a the massive rage drive thing here with, with every picture I've ever taken in digital and a lot of, on film. And um, just going through each year and picking out the best pictures for, for, for various kind of projects that I'm doing and clients that are requesting stuff. And, um, and it's really interesting to see how in 2009, I, I approached it. And then in 2010, I think I some, something suddenly clicked in me that, okay, I'm going to do it that way. Or, you know, by the time you get to about 2015, I'm shooting far more pictures of portraits or grid stuff, that kind of thing. And, and it's a struggle to find an action shot. There was, a, there was an edit I had to do yesterday uh, and, and the client wanted a particular car, a particular race. I had hardly anything in my best set, if you like. I had portraits and I had pit stuff and, and things like that. So, you know, but maybe that's reflective of a world where we live, where people are interested in celebrity and all that kind of thing. I'm, I'm not at all interested in celebrity and what drivers girlfriends look like or that kind of thing um but maybe that subliminally affected the type of photography that i'm delivering so mm -hmm. uh, you know um you evolve over time don't you and, and i try and stay very abreast of fashions and trends with photography but remaining true to my uh, my own ideals and my own uh, standards sure uh, so, uh, but I guess it's it's, it's important. Like I, I've seen, like some of the photographers probably like don't want to like edit the photos or something like that. That and, and still trying to say like the, the the way it should be done is like not edited that way, this way. But I mean, if you do it for for like a business and for living and. You either like it what or do, not. What do you mean? Sorry, what do you mean? No, no, I'm just meaning I'm just going to get to it. Like, it's like to follow some trends. It's it's a must if you want to. Uh, but as you said, like, still keep keep it in a way that you want to. Like, uh, or, or if you uh, in a way you like it, so you want to do it. But still need to follow the trend somehow, and not by. It's not about just 
thinking that you know it the best and that that's the way how you should do it and he like it or not it's like that, that's that's the time how it's it's different than it was like 10 years or 20 years ago and people consume everything like 80 percent on the phones and yeah it's just and anyone can put any filter on it so it needs to it needs Hashtag to be a little bit at, at least to, yeah <laughs> Uh, but it needs to go like in this way somehow. I'm not saying like to put all the filters available, but it's like uh, I've seen people and 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 still see it like that would get stuck at that point that they would say like you you can't edit the photos like at all or something. It should be this way, this way. But it's just for me. But then you see that they they can lose in clients because it's just. Because also there are new people coming into the PR or whatever, and then they, they, they've been raised in in another environment and consuming yeah. another stuff. So you need to probably get the trends <laughs> involved in your work as well. It's like yeah, that, mate. Yeah, we're so we're so. The, the, Instagram has had such a. a I, I came yeah. I came quite late to to Instagram. I was like a lot of photographers. Uh, I was suspicious of it and the small print and the copyright issues. And these kind of things, and I, I really wish that I'd been on it a lot earlier because it's it's made for people like us. So uh, there's a tremendous amount of rubbish on Instagram, obviously. But yeah. the thing that really struck me when I really started to think, okay, I need to be involved in this, is that um, of course it, it, you can put you can tag your pictures and get them in front of people that you would never be able to get them in front of in the past. So as a marketing tool, it's it's second to none. And uh, also, what I found almost quite frightening was the standard of photography. Um, as I say, forget forget pe people taking pictures of what they're having for dinner and, and you know those kind of right. things, what what car they've got or whatever. Um, but it was more pictures, you know, creative stuff that that just I was I was almost like my God, I better up my game because this is uh, this stuff is. This stuff is amazing. Of course, you start to look at it, and, and I was really thinking, well, okay, I want to stay up with I want to stay up with trends, and I want to stay up with with styles that people are doing. Even though most of those trends and styles are just things that were shot 50, 60 years ago, and they're reinterpreting them now. Yeah. Uh, but I, I kind of, there were certain motorsport photographers that I'm looking at their stuff, thinking. How how on earth did they do that? I'm, I I may well have been at the next corner or or standing there thinking, well, that wasn't the light. That wasn't the light that was that was there, or there weren't those shadows or whatever. And I've kind of recently only become aware of presets and what I don't use any presets. Yeah, um, I honestly don't. Um, but an American photographer at the U.S. Grand Prix last year said to me, he he scrolls each time he does his. Is editing. He scrolls between using a hundred different presets. I, I I couldn't believe it. Of course, then the penny drops like a massive thud as to oh, okay, so that's how you're getting this look of of completely false, completely over over processed, overdone, uh, you know, work in my thought process. But of course, that's what people like now. So, you know, I might saturate stuff on Instagram a little bit more than, than perhaps I'd like, but you've got to, you've got to, you've got to think commercially and think what people like, you know, but yeah. I think remain true yeah. to your own yeah. ideal. Yeah, yeah.
Uh, it should be some balance for sure. Yeah. Uh, so, so is that, do, you, do you ever get in touch like with FIA somehow? Are there any, like, do they ever approach you? Are there any talks about like what, like what, oh, for like photographers? So is there anything like that? Is there any feedback? That they want um, you? I, I get on. I get on really well with with a lot of the guys at the FIA, um, and uh, I, I used to work with with them. In um, used to be their kind of contracted photographer in the in two thousand and seven, eight, nine, ten, that kind of time, and really enjoyed it. I had some incredibly uh, exciting, intriguing jobs where I would I would go really. Um, do you remember the whole Spygate? thing with McLaren nicking the IP of, of, uh, of, of the, there was a whole map. lots of people yeah. watching this will remember the whole the, um, espionage thing with Alonso outed them if you like and De La Rosa and McLaren took the IP of Ferrari and that kind of thing it was a big big story at the time well I, I photographed the, the hearings and uh, all the kind of uh, back back behind the scenes stuff to that and of course that was that was fantastic i couldn't talk about what i was seeing and what i was hearing but it was it was wonderful to as a fan of the sport to see that kind of stuff and then at the circuits um i just posted before we did the interview stuff where i i, I could get rides in the in the fia medical car and stuff around circuits things like that so yeah i'm, I'm still remain very friendly with a lot of guys at the fia but um but as far as uh as far as working them with with, with making access for photographers better or that kind of thing. There used to be a guy at the races, Pat Behar, who was really on our side and was a photographer's delegate and would help us out. There's a lot less of that now. Um, there's, a, there's, a different, there's a different kind of agenda and, and stuff. And I think it's a lot more about, uh, you've, got, you've got to look after yourself. Yeah, because I was quite surprised coming to, coming to F1, like for the first time, there was no like briefing or anything that I've experienced at, like yeah. a lot of other, like I would say, like lower class races. I know that like the expectations that if you come into F1 race, you have accreditation, you probably know what you're doing, but still, like, especially mm -hmm. at some circuits, yeah. sometimes it's like, like it's a good yeah. point. It's a, it's a really good point. And it's actually some of us, um, shall I say, vet, I was described as a veteran photographer recently in a thing I did. And, and it was really like, my God, you know, I, I am, but, but I don't feel it. Um, and, we, myself, Stephen T, Mark Thompson, the guys that you, you, you will be aware of their names uh, if you don't know them, we have pushed for these kind of briefings, you know, that we know in perhaps in, in, in MotoGP or in, in WEC or in certainly yeah. in American forms of, 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 of single-seater and, and, and sports car racing, I know they have, where you go to a briefing and you are, you are, you know, have a discussion and told, okay, this is what we expect because we have your point to, to there are everyone in, in Formula One should know where they're going. Oh my God, I wish they did. Honestly, yeah, man, yeah, the, no, no. the things that you see uh, from these Johnny come lately, rich guys, if you like, or, 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 or you know, people who know the Royal family, um, you know, come into the sport <laughs> and, uh, you know, and they're walking down the pit lane and they're not following the rules. And, and of course, or crossing, you've got to place like Brazil, they cross the track. When you can hear the cars coming out of the garage, <laughs> and, they're, and they're walking backwards and forwards on the track. And of course, we're like this oh. because if one photographer gets in trouble, we all do. 
yeah, you know, exactly. you're, it's yeah. a blanket ban then, you know, you're not allowed to do this, you're not allowed to do that. We have, we only have a certain amount of photographers in the pit lane, uh, on the pit wall at races. You know, it's a lottery as to what you can get. You've got to apply for your pit wall tabard 10 races in advance, you know, if, if, if you're someone like me. And there's all these little things that people, I get messages from people saying, how can I get accreditation to a race? I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm more worried about me getting a pass for, to be able <laughs> to, to do that particular area. Obviously, I get a pass for every race. I'm fortunate, but you've got to kind of look after yourself in, in a way. And uh, I don't know the machinations about how you apply for a, a particular, you know, pass to come to a race. It's not, I don't have to do it, fortunately. But, um, but I, 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 sorry, I've lost the thread of what I was saying. I just, um, you know, we, we would like, the, the, the older photographers, we would like there to be, maybe on a Thursday afternoon, Thursday evening, sit down and say, right, at the last race, the drivers do it. The drivers have a briefing. No. The marshals do. The, 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 the stewards do. I would like the photographers to be able to sit down collectively, maybe an FIA guy there, or a, or a representative from the marshals or whatever, and say, okay, yesterday we couldn't go in this place because the marshals didn't know that that is, you're allowed or we are allowed in that grandstand, we're not allowed in that one. Uh, at the last race, you, naming no names, photographer, you stepped over the line, do it again, and there's trouble, you know, and, and I, I think, I'm not someone who particularly likes authority, but I think you've got to have rules, it's a dangerous environment. And um, we have, a, we have a, a world now, and it will be the same in your arena, where because people, because photographers, and he used that word advisedly, are not prepared to do all the junior formula before they get into Formula One, they go from nothing to a heated, aggressive, fast environment that if you're not up to speed, you can get in trouble pretty fast. Well, and as I said, I was really surprised. So, what's your favourite race to shoot? Um, I don't really have a, a, a favorite as such. I, I kind of, uh, not wishing to sound like, like, I don't know, avoiding the question, but I kind of look forward to all of them in a way, because um, if, it's a, if it's a circuit that, that isn't particularly popular with photographers or particularly challenging visually, I think that then the challenge is to make it so and to, and to outshoot my competitors, my rival, my photographic rivals. Um, and, but of course there are races where there's more of a buzz. So Singapore would be possibly my favorite. Uh, it's damn hard work. Um, the jet lag can be a, a, a pain, especially coming from New Zealand to, to there and then working on a European schedule at nighttime. It's, it's, God, it's, it does my head in. But um, Bahrain is good now that they've made it a night race, basically. And, um, Monaco is brilliant in the sunshine. That's fantastic. Although it's not as good as it used to be because there's a, a now fences almost everywhere where there weren't before. No. But I understand that. Um, I've always, strangely, quite liked Hockenheim, which I know is not a, not a kind of popular place for photographers, but particularly when it was the old circuit, um, it was really one of my favorites. So, you know, kind of all of, the, all of them have their plus points, all of them have their negatives. And the most difficult one to shoot at? Most difficult? Um, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I 
don't know what would be what would be the most difficult. I guess they're all difficult if it starts raining a lot, mm -hmm. because you you know you've got all that wet weather gear and you're, it's uncomfortable. I, I quite like shooting in the rain because because of, of the creative element that you can you can uh, you can have there. But um, but you know the, the the physical difficulties of somewhere like Singapore. Um, it's so hot and it's so such an intense environment and uh, Baku is pretty difficult. Um, great circuit to shoot. I like, really enjoy it. But uh, but get it. once you're at one place, it's very difficult to get to another because mm. there's no perimeter road. You know, behind those clean-looking concrete blocks and fences that you see on TV, it's a mess of wires and scaffolding and ignorant security guards and and you know it's it's difficult to work. But uh, but the rewards if the sun's out are almost better than any other track. So. Cool. The uh, was there an event, was there an event uh, that, like in those thirty years, that you failed to deliver what you needed to do? No, I never. I always deliver. <laughs> cool. That's good. Uh, um, I don't know. I'm, I'm very analytical of, of of what I do, and I try to, you know, I try, like all of us, I try in, in all spheres of life. I try to deliver. Um, I can think of one or two things where I've got when I'm working for one particular cigarette sponsor and I get the advertising hoarding of another one in the background um, <laughs> on film, you know, now you just get rid of that in post. But, yeah. you know, <laughs> um, so that's, that's slightly changed that, that, uh, that brief. Yeah. Uh, so is there anything you, you would like to shoot? Most, like probably a part, like out of, out of F1? Any any other events or anything that you would like to? Yeah, I quite, quite like to do um, some of what you do, the, the Dakar stuff. I look at some of those pictures and your stuff and, and, and some of the other guys and, and just like, wow, you know, what a what a fantastically um, difficult but rewarding thing to do. Because I've, uh, as we said it right at the start, I have a, I have a, I've experienced a little bit of what, how difficult it is and how tiring it is, um, but. Um, I, I I love yachting. Shooting yachting is uh, is is it's a gorgeous, gorgeous sport. Um, and I thought I don't think it's particularly well served by the photographers who do it. They they generally seem to make everything stand still and staccato and and, and make these beautiful racing yachts look quite I don't know not not as interesting as they are. I I, I got quite emotional photographing them. I thought they were one of the most beautiful things I've ever photographed. And um, I, like, I like rallying. Uh, I like I like all sports. You know, I, I like uh, I like. It doesn't matter really what it is. Probably like you, everyone who take everyone who takes a, like enjoys taking photographs. There's a challenge to photograph it well. So yeah. you know, I'll, I'll anything and everything to be honest. Cool. Uh, and do you actually shoot anything else than F1, either for business or pleasure or? Uh, well, I try and shoot stuff away from the sport, you know, with with uh, with a view to 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 the style of the photographers that I mentioned at the start, you know, um, and my children. I take pictures of not enough, but I but I that kind of thing. <laughs> um, but otherwise, no, it, it's 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 mostly Formula One. It's my, you know, you know what it's like. It just takes up so much of your time that yeah. to start shooting other things just means hours more in front of a Mac screen. Yeah. 
uh, and do you actually shoot? Uh, do you have any shoots like out of out of the events like with F one like more like adverts? Used, used to do a lot of them. Used to do a lot of um, of sponsor things. So you'd you'd fly to Warsaw on uh, you know on Wests or or David Coulthard's private jet you know to do a, a shoot in 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 Warsaw or something, and then. And you'd fly back, and I flew with DC to go to Barcelona testing on his plane, and then you'd have a, you know, if I was shooting for Philip Morris, you might go somewhere with, you know, Schumacher to do something. Um, and magazines also got more access to drivers, so you'd go and go to Rubens Barrichello's farm after the Brazilian Grand Prix, and do a whole feature with Rubens there, or, or Pedro Diniz went to his place when he was doing Formula One, or. These kind of things, and they were re they were really enjoyable and really good to get relationships with the with the drivers, which of course played well for when you got into the the, the atmosphere of Formula One. You you got on better with the guys, and they're more likely to give you something than they will another photographer. But uh, that's that's kind of most I'd say ninety five percent of those shoots don't happen anymore. If they do, it's Red Bull stunts where they drive a car along a beach, and there's you know film crews, and there's and it's it's just. It's just not as focused on one photographer, one journalist, one magazine anymore. It's, you know, and it's on social media before you've looked at the back of your camera anyway nowadays, as you know. But, you know, um, but I'm not complaining. That's, that's just the way it is. Um, that's, you've got to move with it. So. Cool. So what, what, does your, what does your business actually consist of? So obviously, like shooting events. Uh, is, it, is it mainly, what, like team sponsors or... But I guess you answered it already. So some finance team sponsored and some finance editorial. And yeah. then you also sell prints, books, anything else? You know, that's enough, isn't it? Yeah, no, no. I'm not saying it's not enough. Just... I, don't, I, don't, I don't do Facebook yet, but, you know, that might come. But, um, yeah, it's, 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 you know, I, I, I'm trying to use this lockdown period as, you know, looking at, at certain projects on that that I've been talking with people for a long time. That you know, let's okay, let's make it happen when we get back to to, to racing and, and global sanity. Um, we can start shooting again, and let's get that project going, or let's you know, let's let's do what we've been saying uh, to do. But yeah, it's all of the things you mentioned. Um, it's, okay. it's you know, different revenue streams and uh, just. You know, if every minute of the day is filled up with, with work, to be honest. I'm, I've been amazed how busy I've been with stuff um, during this lockdown period. Cool. So um, how has the business changed over the years? Is it, a, is it more difficult? Do you think it's more difficult nowadays to, to get, like, clients who are willing to pay good money? Or has the amount yeah. of money right. yeah, the, the money's The money's definitely definitely changed yeah the money's definitely but but that changed i think there was a definite uh, dip after um in 2001 after the, the the incidents in new york i think that you know people looked at budgets then after after that happened and then certainly the the financial crash 2008 people the companies you know really looked at what what they were spending the value they can get out of certain projects and then i think that this situation now will will ha will change again because I think we're all looking at what we're spending. It's not just big companies; it's the whole of society. 
And I think I, I'm slightly concerned that after this, there'll be another downward tick in, uh, in, in what people are, are prepared to spend. Uh, but I can't blame them. You know, there's, there's, there's in Formula One, there's car factories being closed and, uh, or, you know, with manufacturers in the sport. And, um, you know, commercial clients will be looking at their, their, what they want to do with, uh, with Formula One, just thinking about that specifically. So, yeah, it's, it's always difficult, but, but it always has been. You know, and I've been doing it long enough, and the photographers been doing it longer than me. They're still there, and they're still doing it. And we've seen lots and lots of Johnny come lately. Photographers come, and we've seen them all go. And uh, it's still basically the same professionals doing the same job. Um, you know, who remain consistent and remain keeping the work. Cool. So when it comes to to marketing, how do you how do you build up like your your brand, or is it? Is there anything that you, you enjoy to do, like all this stuff around, or do you, do you even do it by yourself, or I don't know, like social media? Is it more for you something that you enjoy, or that you that you need to do because uh, I think you need to, to do, do it, don't you? Yeah. I think you need to. Um, I, I've done a few Instagram live uh, things on my on my own. Um, this then now with you, I did. Uh, I've done four or five of them in this lockdown period oh. with with you know people like Canon New Zealand and. Uh, uh, the, the F1 Paddock Club and stuff like this. Some of them have come out very soon, and I, I I quite enjoy it. I quite enjoy that that thing, and it's nice to get feedback from people, um, asking questions, you know, yeah. about the, uh, what they find interesting. Chat to people like you, you know, I didn't know you before, so things like that are great. Um, Instagram, you know, is uh, is is a great way of showing. I've been showing my library and what I've, you know, did a whole series of Schumacher stuff and, and now obviously Monaco over the Monaco Grand Prix weekend. So, you know, it's, it's, it's showing, in a way I can show that it, it's, it's not just pictures I've taken in the last five minutes. I've, I've got a longevity of career um, and, and, uh, and using that and just trying to stay in people's minds, if you like, you know, I'm, I'm still here, you know, I'm not just, I've not disappeared to a beach on the other side of the world. So. <laughs> cool. Uh, so yeah, I guess well, you are like you're more than one one hour and forty forty minutes. So just like few few more, and I guess my phone is gonna go off anyways quite yeah. soon. Uh, so what? So what? What does it mean to you to be successful in photography? Is it about like getting some prizes, winning some contests? about money client clients that you have reached no i don't know no. people you could get work with or just just <coughs> think that you, you can actually do it you like it you can travel the world yeah I, I, I think it's uh i I'm, I'm incredibly fortunate that all i ever wanted to do in my life was take pictures of racing cars and I, that's what i've done you know and i'm still doing and i still adore and it's given me the life that i have see the world you know and stuff and it's 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 a wonderfully wonderfully uh, flattering and fortunate position to be in that people like the pictures that I take. You know, I, I, I almost constantly got to pinch yourself. You know, the the wonderful things that people say on on uh, things like Instagram and about my my pictures on my website, that kind of thing. You know, Instagram is obviously the most direct now, and it's. Uh, it's it's not about prizes or it's not about the money. Obviously, I want to earn money, but you're never going to be rich doing this job. You do it because you have a passion for it, or you should do. And um, 
you know, I just, I just want to kind of stay, stay relevant and stay, uh, stay doing it as long as I, as long as I enjoy it. And I, and I still do. And I think photography is something that you can, as long as you can see and you can walk, you know, you've, you're, you're going to take pictures. I don't want to be chasing around multi-millionaire egotistical racing drivers all my life, but, um, but you know, um, I'm, I'm very fortunate. And as far as winning awards is concerned, a, my, my, my very best friend from years and years ago, who was a, who was a very, uh, he's not, he's not with us anymore, but, um, he was a top automotive journalist, multi, multi award winner and that kind of thing. But he said to me, when I first started out, you need to win one award and then you can put on your CV and I'm, I'm an award winner. And then you need to win one more and then you're a multi award. Multiple. Winner. Yeah. <laughs> And then don't enter any more competitions. Don't give them up. And, and I've, and I've, absolutely what Russell said to me is, is exactly what I've gone through. I know some photographers who shoot Formula One, they obsess all year about their set of 10, 12 pictures that go into the Sports Photographer of the Year competition. It is all they think about. And I just cannot understand that attitude. I really can't. Um, you know, win a couple of awards, that's it. I'm a multiple award winner. The fact that they were in 2001 or 1997, who cares? You know? <laughs> cool. So, um, is there anything that photography has taken from you? Mentioning like all, all the good things, but is there anything like on the other side? I've never thought about that really. I guess taken from me is, uh, it, it affects your social life. As, oh. as you know, you know, you're away a tremendous amount of the time. I was only uh, saying to my, my wife a couple of days ago and, and, and her friends, how um, it's a, 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 Williams, a, a Williams marketing guy. It was about a year and a half ago now, maybe a year ago, that he wrote a piece that was presented on, on one of these websites about what, what it's really like to work in Formula One and how you know he works, he's up early, works all day at the circuit, schmoozes with clients and does garage tours and that kind of thing. And then, and then has to go out with dinner dinner to try and get more work or schmooze with those clients again and then he's in bed at 11 o'clock or he's back in his room at 11 o'clock completely toasted um has a bit of room service and uh, watches a movie and kind of you know goes to bed thinking is this really as glamorous as it's made out to be and uh you know i, I could really i could really and i think a lot of people in the sport could really empathize with that um, and I think that's, that's something that's really come in the last 10 years or so, because when I was younger and shooting film, speaking as a photographer, by five o'clock, six o'clock, unless you wanted to stay in the paddock and, and do sunset pictures and, and chat with, with, with clients, um, you could, back in the day, people were leaving at three, four o'clock in the afternoon. And if you're, you, if you're, if you're somewhere like a cool city or you're near a beach or, you know, you'd be off there and you'd be going out at night to clubs and having a laugh, you know, uh, that ain't happened anymore. Even if I wanted it to, you're working till nine, 10 o'clock at night at the track. So, you know, and you're back there at seven, seven o'clock latest the next morning. So um, I've not got my violin out. I'm not complaining. It's just the way it is. So. Cool. So, and the last one, is there any advice that you would give to anyone who's about to, I'm not a sports photographer, but still waiting for some breakthrough moment or whatever. 
Uh, just, just, I often say to people, try to perfect your own style. Uh, you know, shoot, shoot. Don't have influences within your, your chosen field or, or ideally wider than that. And be appreciative of what those people do. But don't just copy. Don't just, just ape what they do. Uh, because you've got to try and stand out from the crowd. You've got to try and, and give people a reason to use you over them. And, um, you know, edit your edit. Only show your best stuff. Edit your edit and then edit it again. And, you know, don't show 50. I get people sending me their, their stuff, you know, and they want me to look at 50 pictures. You don't you need to look at five and you get an idea of what people, uh, their level or their competence as a photographer. Um, and, uh, and don't work for free. <laughs> because once you start, I know it's difficult to, to sometimes not do that, but once you start setting a level of working for people for free, you ain't never going to be able to charge them. And it's okay. difficult enough to charge yeah. them anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. So that was a pleasure. I, I guess we almost Good. got up to two hours. So thank, thanks a lot. It's uh, definitely That's the longest one. Good. Uh, Good. Well, I hope people enjoyed it. So thanks, Marion. Yeah, thank you. And uh, hope to see you soon somewhere out on the track. Yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, let's, let's hope we can get back at a track someday soon. Sure. Okay. Take care. So, yeah, have a, good, have a good day. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. MCH Photography Podcast.